Our very own Reverend Dr. Mr. Rogers, Jason Borders, everyone. There he is. There's always a science experiment around the halls of First Methodist, always teaching. Thank you, Dr. Borders. As indicated in your order of worship, our gospel lesson comes from the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel. Would you stand as you are able? The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Listen for the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Welcome back to part two of our conversation about the pathway to membership and what a difference membership makes in one's life. It changes our story. We began this conversation from the Sermon on the Mount uh, last week where we looked at the Beatitudes and now we have this salt and light imagery which is so familiar to us. Jesus gives us a framework for what it means to say yes to following Jesus and becoming part of a flock and the value that has on our lives and the influence and the difference we can make in the lives of, of others. Membership matters because it provides a place for the broken to be healed. Jesus said those persons are blessed. For the lost to be found, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness to be fed and to be quenched, for the poor to be lifted to new life, we are discovering that our, in our longing for God, we find our belonging to one another. There's power in following Jesus from the waters of baptism and saying yes by becoming part of a local flock through membership. It changes our story. And so at the outset of today's lesson, we're continuing to look at, at the Sermon on the Mount, salt and light. You are salt, you are light. We heard Jesus say those things. What does it mean? Blair Bingham is one of our most faithful members. He and Leslie, the story of how they arrived here in Montgomery and here at First United Methodist Church and what caused them to take a step forward through membership is so inspiring. And it's so pertinent to what it means and why membership matters here at First United Methodist Church. So I wanted you to hear uh, from, from Blair Bingham on his birthday today, no doubt. Blair comes to share a word with us. Blair. It's February 22nd, 2015, a Sunday morning. And I wake up in room 305 of the lovely Candlewood Suites in East Chase, where I've lived for the past three weeks since I left my wife Leslie in my home in Jackson, Mississippi. There's only one thing on my mind. What have I done? And I'm worried. In May, our younger daughter will finish her master's degree and move home to start her teaching career. In June, my older daughter, will get married 
so wedding plans are in high gear. 2015 is shaping up to be a big year for the Binghams. And so for some reason, I decided it would be a good idea to quit my job in Jackson and take one in Montgomery. And that only add to the, added to the stress of the year. Leslie will have to quit her job. We will be moving four hours away from her mother, who's 90 years old and still lives independently. And Leslie uh, has no siblings, so we're the primary caretakers for her. And we get to sell a house, buy a house, pack up, move. And speaking of which, two days earlier, she had spent the day in Montgomery looking at 20 houses and not one was a possibility. It did not go well. But that's not what has me worried. I'm thinking about something I did 30 years ago. When Leslie and I started dating, one of the things that attracted me to her was her Christian commitment. She'd grown up Catholic, and she started going to a Presbyterian youth group in high school in Mississippi State. She attended uh, Young Life and was very active there. And when she moved back to Jackson, she got very active in the career group at First Press. So she had a real community there. And she was a Calvinist through and through. I, on the other hand, had graduated from Millsaps College, which is affiliated with the United Methodist Church, just like Huntington is. I had attended Galloway Methodist through college and joined after I graduated. So when we got married, we agreed we would attend First Press because she was much more involved there than I was at my church. I didn't know that many people yet at Galloway. And plus, I'd been raised Presbyterian, even though I didn't know the difference between PCUS and PCA. So I made the move. And before long, I realized I was in a church where people saw a lot of things as either black or white. And I saw gray. And I wanted to talk about it. They didn't. And I lasted about nine months. I thought I was suffocating. And please understand, this is not about the Presbyterian Church. This is a Blair problem. And I told Leslie this isn't going to work. And thus began the first major test of our marriage. So we went church shopping, and after a couple of visits, she said, Blair, who are we fooling? Let's go back to Galloway and see if we can make this work. And like a champ, she did. And that was really, really hard for her. It took a couple of years before she was ready to join. But fortunately, we got in on the ground floor of a new couple Sunday school class. And over the years, the members of that class became some of our dearest friends. Friends you could call at 2 o'clock in the morning if you needed to. We saw over 50 babies born in that class. By 2010, Leslie became such a Methodist that she closed down her interior design business to become director of missions at Galloway. And there, she poured her heart and soul into Grace Place, a ministry which feeds over 100 homeless individuals five days a week. So after 30 years at Galloway of babies and Bible studies, mission trips, Sunday school, you name it, her roots are deep. And now on this Sunday morning, I'm asking her to do it again, to leave her community, 
to start over. That's a lot and it's hard. We have breakfast that morning and drive to the church and can I just tell you how wonderful it is to drive up to a place as beautiful as this. We have trouble finding a parking spot, which is a good thing in our book. Someone, and I wish I could remember who, directs us to the fellowship hall, and there we attend Latte with Lawson. And we meet Lawson and Cheryl and other members of the church and learn more about First Methodist. And then we go to the sanctuary for our first worship service together. We read the order of worship and see it's very liturgical. Check. Little Caroline Lindsay is baptized that morning and we sing Child of Blessing, Child of Promise, just like we do at Galloway. Check. The Cathedral Choir sings a beautiful arrangement of God So Loved the World with a string accompaniment, no less. Check. And Lawson, being Lawson, delivers a beautiful sermon. Check. And after the choir sings the benediction, before we even leave our exit row, Leslie looks at me and says, okay, you ready to join? <laughs> and just like you, I laughed and I said, that's pretty funny. And she looked back at me and said, no, I'm serious. When I woke up that morning, I thought I was tearing her away from everything she held near and dear to her heart. But instead, I realized she was welcoming us to our new church home. And so for Leslie and me, two people new to town who didn't know anybody, our journey to become part of a new church community began. And before long, we take the step of becoming new members. Membership's important to us because it gives us a chance to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It provides an avenue for us to serve, to give, to use our gifts, to worship, all of those things. And I think it would be hard to argue that today our culture is more divided than ever. We as a church have an opportunity to be a light on a hill, to offer grace to a hurting world, to offer a place for people who are lonely who need to be part of a community. So to those who are considering taking that step of membership, I say take it. You'll be glad you did. It's a good community here, and you can be part of something that serves our community. You can be part of a light on a hill. And all God's people said, amen. Oh, Blair, that's so good. Like Blair and Leslie, every time we bring in new members, it's salt that flavors this wonderful congregation of ours. It's a ray of light that illuminates all of our lives. I am so grateful for Blair and for Leslie and for the Herrings taking those vows this morning, for you renewing your vows, your membership vows, to be loyal to them in the same breath, in the same space. I've been thinking a lot about what Blair has said. We've talked about it. We had a video series that uh, is releasing each time somebody speaks in worship. And so Blair and I have been praying together as prayer partners leading up to this moment about what it means to be a member and why that step forward 
is such an important step. Belonging to a flock is such an important step. And one of the things that, that he and I have talked about, and one of the things our clergy team and, and some of my colleagues outside the, the local church here have even said is, you know, a, a church isn't a place where everyone has everything figured out at every given moment of every single day. But we help one another get through this thing called life together. And so I've been thinking about today's text because the salt and the light imagery are so familiar to us. Be salt and be light, you know, flavor the world wherever you go. Preserve as salt does. Uh, those in, who are in your care. And like light, uh, bring illumination and bring warmth. We've heard those lessons from the time that we're in VBS and up through the youth group. But I've, I've started thinking exactly to whom was Jesus talking? To whom was this teaching directed? We have to go back to chapter 4 of Matthew's gospel to look at that. If you have your Bibles open, I would encourage you to do that. What it says is, as Jesus was going all throughout the region, in the streets and in the margins and in the synagogues, in the places where the Greeks and the pagans and the Jews and all walks of life were to be found, Jesus went out and around teaching. And it says his fame spread throughout Syria, and the disciples started bringing all the sick people the people who were afflicted with diseases and pains and those who had demons and those who were epileptics and those who were paralytics. And it says Jesus cured every single one of them. And then it says in this massive crowd form, that gets us to chapter 5, this massive crowd form and he sat down and he began teaching. He began telling them, if you're poor in spirit, you're blessed. If you've been trampled on, you're blessed. If you hunger and thirst for something more, you are blessed. If you're trying to find peace or be peaceful in this chaotic world, you are blessed. And then he said something very strange. You are, all of you who have gathered, you are salt and you are light. Now isn't that something interesting? Because I always thought, maybe you did too, I always thought that being salt and being light was a, a level to which Christians aspire. We want to be super Christians and have that status. But Jesus isn't giving us a spiritual grocery list that will make us uber blessed if we check all of the boxes. If you will become poor in spirit or if you will become meek or if you will try your hand at peace or if you'll do this and this, then I'll bless you. That's not what he says, is it? He says, those of you who are courageous enough to gather each time you gather and have brought so much of life with you from wherever you have come to wherever you will return, you already are blessed. Isn't that interesting? Jesus does not make it an if-then statement. If you will do this, then I will do that. He just looks out over the crowd. It's comprised of a hodgepodge of people, really. I'm sure there were some people in the crowd who had life uh, all figured out, you know. They had their sticky, organized tabs, their, um, their post-it notes with the tabs and their trapper keeper. They were taking good notes of everything Jesus said. And there were probably those whose, you know, car batteries never died and they always have jumper cables, unlike some of us when we get in a bind. There were probably some... Uh, 
who had maps out and were plotting the way through Galilee and others who didn't have student loans or they didn't carry around all that much guilt or shame. There, there were some in that category, but they were not on the Matthew chapter 4 list. On that list were people who were prone to having seizures or had mental health issues or were walking around with an infectious disease and didn't have a mask. Some who were even paralyzed. Those were the Matthew 4 people. People who got there on their own two feet if they could, but if not, someone helped get them there. Jesus calls that crowd blessed, not because of anything that they have done, just because Jesus sees them and hears their struggles and calls them blessed for being exactly as they are. And then he says, you are salt, just as you are. And you are light, just as you are. To the broken and the hurting, he gives a blessing. And he says, through all of the mental instabilities, the physical ailments, the spiritual disabilities and challenges, you are blessed. Because it's through the cracked lives that God's light enters our lives. And it's from those same cracks, my friends, that the light shines. The salt in the tears that we cry together and the sweat we break serving the least and the last and the lost and the lonely remind us of our own collective humanity. And it is that salt and it is that kind of light that Jesus says you are. You are blessed. So being salt and light might not have anything to do with being strong and perfect and having everything put together just right or even having the right theology no matter how long the journey is, but it also seems at least a possibility that there's a crack in all of us, which is how the light of Jesus gets in and begins changing us so that as it heals, it, it becomes a refined, brilliant light and it works its way out of our lives back into the lives of, of others. It's an acknowledgement these steps we are taking forward. It's an acknowledgement of our insufficiency and inability to rescue ourselves. And that begins to flavor and preserve and to illumine a pathway forward for all of us when we take those steps. So perhaps the cracks of a flawed past or anxiety or depression or addiction or being made to wear entirely too many scarlet letters around for entirely too long. Perhaps the cracks of guilt and shame are the exact fissures through which the light of God's love needs to find its way in your life today. And if I know anything about people and the church and membership and what it means to be a part of a, a flock, I know those cracks in their healing emit that radiant light that is unmistakably God's light. So why does membership matter? Because coming to church and joining a church is like coming to a hospital for the soul where little by little through a handshake or eye contact or a conversation or sharing a hymnal or even a fist bump or an elbow bump. Through children's choirs singing again and, and then running around the hallways, all of those become means of grace that somehow put us back together little by little grain of salt, little light at a time. We take our vows, make no doubt, to be loyal 
and to uphold one another with, say it with me, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. But what we're really saying at that moment is that we're in this flock together. We're in this boat together. We all need to hear that God blesses our tears and pours light into our broken places, that amid all of our brokenness and imperfections, God still trusts us and sits with us like Jesus did with the crowd that day. And that meeting the conditions for holiness, it just simply means taking a step forward in the direction of Jesus, and Jesus will do the rest. The grace is already present. The blessing is already present. It's up to us to take a step forward, to step into it and say yes to Jesus. Sometimes that means every minute of every day, every week when we gather together as a family. So hear Jesus' words again. You are salt and you are light. And let your light so shine before others that they may see all that God is doing in your life and give glory to God the Father alone. Would you pray with me? Holy God, what an unspeakable joy it is to make this journey together as a family right here at First United Methodist Church in Montgomery. I pray for all of those who are looking for a place to belong and to walk with others along the pathway by becoming a member or by making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, that you would begin to pour your grace into their lives. But for all of us here, Help us to hear the good news today that however we have arrived and whatever it is we're facing, you have called us blessed, you have called us salt, you have called us light, you have called us your child, you have called us your own, and together, step by step, we get to get through life together, following the voice of the shepherd. May that good news, Lord, carry us into the week, and through the light of Christ within us, may we share that good news with others. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen.